you are listening to the Sermon Podcast at Bethel. We're an evangelical covenant church located in western Wisconsin outside of Ellsworth, and you can find out more about us on our website, BethelCov.org. My name is Todd Speaker. I'm the pastor here, and thank you for listening. Don't go quite yet, though. <laughs> I've, I've said this from up here before, uh, but when I, I started here at Bethel, I was brand new, fresh out of seminary, um, and for the first, gosh, year that I was here, I used to have, and I still do every once in a while, I used to have this recurring nightmare, actually two. One uh, was that I'd be waking up in, in the room over in the parsonage to someone knocking on the bedroom window saying, Pastor, where are you? The church started, you know, 10 minutes ago, and I would, like, have to rush and get over here. That was one recurring, recurring nightmare, always Saturday nights. And then the other one would be um, that I'd be, I'd be preaching, and people would slowly get up and leave as I'm talking. I'm like, oh, no, what's going on? And all of a sudden, you know, the room's just empty all the time. So if you guys ever really want to, like, send me into, like, you, like, ruin my day, that would be the trick. <laughs> Um, so today uh, we're going to open uh, God's word together. We're looking at Matthew chapter 6, verse 9 through 13. Uh, we've been walking through the Lord's prayer together. Uh, and so, um, <clears throat> but, before, but before we start, you know, I want to, um, we're going to say a, a brief word of prayer because whenever we come together in, in worship, whenever we open God's word together, uh, Whenever we gather in a Bible study or anything else, what we're, um, what we're aiming for, what we're trying for, uh, is to create a, a place where we can maybe hear um, what God has to say to us. Um, whenever we open Scripture, uh, we believe that the Holy Spirit helps us in understand Scripture, helps us apply it to our lives, helps us to live differently or understand God differently or understand ourselves differently by, based on what we read or, or what we sing or, or what we do when we come together. Um, and the problem is that this is imperfect, right? Because um, the church is full of human beings. Um, most Christians I know, unfortunately, are, are human beings, and human beings um, make mistakes, and human beings have biases, and human beings have misunderstandings of what God's Word says. And so whenever we open God's word, you know, my prayer is, and we're gonna, I'm going to pray this together, would be that God would, would reveal to us the things that he wants us to see, that he would give us open hearts and open ears to the work that he wants to do in us, and we invite God to help us to, to throw away anything that doesn't belong. And that's why whenever we come together in worship, whatever it is that we're doing, uh, you're going to be challenged, you're going to struggle, uh, and maybe you're even going to be bothered, and maybe sometimes somebody's going to say something that you're not so sure about. And my invitation to you is to, to listen to what God has to say, but to have conversations and to say, ah, you know, I don't know about that, Pastor. Let's, let's talk. I know that's uh, inviting trouble, um, but, but that's, that's why we're here. That's what we're trying to do. And so however you're joining us, I encourage you, Bible, Matthew 6, uh, starting in verse 9. Um, we've been looking at the prayer that Jesus taught us in Matthew 6 uh, as a part of his Sermon on the Mount. And, and the reason is uh, that 
I believe that our prayers reflect what we believe about God and the world. The way that we pray, the way that we talk in our relationship with God reflects how we understand who God is, how we understand this world. Uh, So, so would you, we're going to, I'm going to pray for us really quick, and then we're going to look at this prayer together. Uh, Dear Lord, um, here, uh, as we open your words, Lord, soften our hearts. Help us to hear what you have for us. Help us to be challenged uh, and help us to be able to discern uh, what's true and what's not as we come together and continue the conversation around around your word, Lord. Make us new in your name. Amen. Uh, so we're going to start um, with, and, and I'm going a little, a little different than what's in, in here, Andy. I mean, let's start with the, the passage up on the screen. Perfect. It's already up there. Awesome. Um, what I want to do first is, is I want to read this with all of you. So if you're at home, I encourage you to read it out loud off of, off of the screen. If you're here, I want to invite you to do that too. Um, normally, we pray this, this prayer before communion and often uh, at, at funerals and other things like that. And depending upon how you grew up in the church, either you prayed this all the time or you like hardly prayed it at all. When I was a kid, the first time I remember learning this prayer was in confirmation because we just never said it at, at church, the church I was growing up. Um, but it is how Jesus invites us to pray when he's confronted with um, uh, giving his big teaching on how different the world is because of his arrival. He offers his disciples a prayer to pray uh, whenever they pray. And, and traditionally, uh, in, in that day, you might pray three different times, morning, afternoon, and evening. And, and you'd have daily prayers that you would recite. And most rabbis did this, Jesus included. And so this was the prayer that he envisioned his disciples praying during those, those hours of prayer during the day. So I want to invite you to read it aloud with me, and, and we can skip the this, then, is how you should pray. Uh, so pray with me. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts, as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. Amen? Amen. Uh, So uh, it's almost hard to pray it, uh, reading it out of Scripture, because the words are like a little different uh, than what we're used to. Um, So last week, uh, as as I mentioned, we talked about what it means to have a, a God who's both our Father and separate, other, holy, and different from us. Uh, and so we spent a lot of time on that. That means that, that God loves us, God cares about us, uh, but he also is different than us. And so if we ever find ourselves in a moment, uh, and, and human beings do this all the time, where we're envisioning a God who thinks and feels and looks and acts exactly how we think and feel and look and act, I can assure you that that is not a hallowed God. That is a God made in my image. So, uh, so we start by who we're praying to, a God who loves us like a father, a perfect father loves his children, but who is also um, foreign, separate, hallowed, set apart from who, who we are, right? We're talking to the God of the universe, after all. Uh, today we're going to look at this next line, and, and when I used to uh, say this in the Lord's Prayer, it always sort of felt like a, like a throwaway line to me. Or, or maybe um, even like a little, a little passive-aggressive, right? Because we're, we're praying to God, and we're asking God to do his will, right? That seems a, a little silly to me. Um, 
because God's going to do what God wants to do. It, it's sort of like when, um, nobody else has this experience, but when your, your spouse says, oh, whatever you want uh, to have for dinner is fine, um, after a long back and forth conversation, you know it's not really fine, right? If it was fine, they wouldn't have said anything, right? Um, uh, it's a little, a little odd to me. It sounds, it sounds a little um, passive-aggressive. As we, as we continue, we're going to notice, you know, the rest of the prayer for me, personally, is a lot easier to grab onto, right? I, I know what it means to pray for my needs to be met. I pray for that all the time. Uh, I know, um, and this one's maybe a little trickier, but I know what it means to forgive. I might not want to forgive, but I, I know what that means, um, and I know what temptation is, and, and I know who the evil one is, but it, it seems weird um, to, to pray for God's will to be done on earth as it is in heaven. So this is what we're going to look at, what we're going to focus on today, because the question is, for me, is if you're going to pray this prayer ourselves, like, what are we asking God to do here? Um, what, are, what are we asking for? I think it, it matters because we've got to decide if what we're asking God for is something that we really believe, something that we really want. Um, so, so today we're going to look at, at three uh, key words here in, in this sentence in orange, verse 10. Uh, the, the words that we're going to focus on are kingdom, um, earth, and heaven. Because I believe that if we understand um, what Jesus means when he's talking about uh, God's kingdom uh, and his kingdom coming uh, on earth as it is in heaven, we might have a, a slightly better idea. So I'm just going to take, take a quick minute, uh, and maybe this is probably all review, but when Jesus talks about his kingdom, and in Matthew this happens all the time, he talks about how the kingdom of heaven is arriving, or it's arrived in him in a very real way. Um, uh, what, he, what he doesn't mean is like a, a, like a giant castle came down on the earth, right? I mean, there's no giant castle. So uh, the question we have to wrestle with is what does it mean for a kingdom to arrive in another place? Uh, and the, the best way uh, that, that I think of that um, is uh, you know, to put it in a modern context, it's what Jesus is describing is, is the exact same thing that we do today. Um, so if, if this country or another country um, sends um, uh, men and women with, with guns into another country, that is our rule arriving in that place. If uh, one day we decided, you know, we were done taking it from Canada and like you guys are always making fun of us, like we're going to bring the rule of the United States into Canada. We're going to bring our kingdom into Canada. When, when Jesus talks about God's kingdom arriving, he means in a very real way that wasn't the case before. God's authority, God's nation, God's country on heaven is in some real way arriving on the earth. Um, and one place you can see this a ton is in the Gospel of, of Luke. Matthew does this too. Um, but you'll notice that when Jesus um, begins his ministry, everywhere he goes, he acts out of, this, um, out of this authority, right? We think of it kind of as like, well, of course, he's God. He can do miracles. He's got magic powers. Um, but it, it's um, everywhere he goes, when Jesus steps in, it becomes clear that he's in charge, right? So when uh, Jesus is on a boat and the, the waves are kicking up and the winds are blowing and everything's chaos, uh, Jesus says, be still 
and the waves stop, right? The storm goes away. It's not that Jesus has superpowers. It's that Jesus is the boss over the rule uh, or over, over the winds and the waves. And so as Jesus comes to earth, everywhere he goes, he asserts his authority as king on the earth. Uh, he asserts his rule, and in the places where he walks, um, in a very real way, heaven's kingdom, uh, where God lives, his rule expands on the earth. When Jesus encounters a man uh, possessed full of, full of demons in, in both Matthew and Luke, he's able to say, uh, the demons don't even stop, right? They don't even resist. They don't even challenge him. They just beg him to make different choices. They say, please, Jesus, send us into that herd of pigs rather than uh, banishing us to the abyss. And so Jesus, Jesus does. But there's no question, right? Wherever Jesus walks, he's king. And when Jesus comes to earth as a human being, the story is that God's rule in heaven, in a very real way, is coming down to the earth. Um, and, and the same thing that is mentioned again in this prayer. So we're praying, uh, if we're praying this prayer, when we ask for this prayer, we're praying that God's authority, God's nation, God's rule, would in a very real way come to pass on earth, just like it is in heaven, right? Um, just like if, you know, in, in, our, in our country, our government has the authority that they have within the borders of our country, if we went and conquered another country, we would impose uh, our rule, their rule, over that other place. What we're praying for is that God would, in a very real way, bring his rule to bear on earth, just like it is in heaven, where, where God lives. And so the second uh, two words, earth and heaven, um, the, the best way to understand this um, as, as Christians, as readers of the Bible, is earth is where we live, where there's dirt where human beings and creation is, and heaven is God's land, God's country, God's space. And so throughout uh, the whole Testament, you know, uh, the, <clears throat> the writers of the Old Testament believe that God dwelled in his own holy space, in God's space, in heaven, uh, and that human beings dwelled on earth, and that if you wanted to communicate with God, you had to find a place where heaven and earth were, were close together. Eh? For the ancient Israelites, the temple, right? There's a special room where you can walk into that room if you do all the things you're supposed to do, where you can enter the same kind of room that God lives in, where heaven uh, and earth, they, they, come, they come together. Uh, <clears throat> but of course, when Jesus came, uh, we believe, and, and the prayer reminds us of this, that when Jesus came, God's space came down with him, that instead of a temple and a sacrifice being the place where God where heaven and earth meet, it's in a person, in the person of, of Jesus Christ. So, so the two things I, I want us to notice from this line is, is kingdom, which means rule, God's rule, and direction. What direction is, is, is going on here? Um, thy kingdom come, thy will be done, God's kingdom come, God's will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Uh, everything about this line says the direction that God wants to work is to bring heaven's rule, heaven's authority, heaven's power down onto earth. Uh, now, this might feel like a throwaway line, right? Like a way of saying, oh, God, I don't care. You do, you do whatever's best. But, but now that we have an idea of what Jesus means, Jesus really means, and whenever we pray this, we're really saying, God, make the earth where I live a place that exists under your authority, under your rule, where you're at work. Bring a little bit of heaven down to earth. 
And so the question is, if, if this is what we're asking for, um, you know, um, what does is, what is that, that mean? And, and I would argue, my, I think what Jesus is really clear about, and you read the Gospels, it, it's all about direction. Uh, the important direction when it comes to the Christian faith is the direction of God coming down from his place and bringing his rule to bear on the earth. So whenever we pray this prayer, we're praying that God's rule comes down here where we live so that the earth will be a place where God rules just like heaven is. Um, and I think this is really important. I think this is really challenging. I know it was for me the first time I talked through this because when I was growing up, I don't know about you, but when I was growing up, I was taught the focus of the good news, the focus of the gospel, what Jesus came to do was to steal away as many people as he possibly could from the earth and bring them up into heaven. Uh, and this is true, right? We believe that uh, those who die in Christ dwell in God's presence in heaven. But I, I challenge you to read through the Gospels and the Old Testament and, and read through everything that God's word has to say and still think that the whole point of human life is escaping from earth into heaven, because it's quite, it's quite the opposite. Uh, Jesus teaches us, right, to pray for God's rule to come down from heaven to earth. He, he could have taught us to pray that we would hold on for a long time so that one day when we die, we'll escape earth to live forever in heaven. But, but instead, uh, the New Testament focuses much more on this good news, that God's rule, God's kingdom is coming down here with us. And Jesus taught and his followers believed in a very real way, in a, in a very real way that this was happening, that God's kingdom had in a very real way arrived in the person of Jesus Christ. And when we, and when we pray this prayer, we ought to remember that this gospel, this good news, is about, is about direction, and that direction is, is less about going from earth into heaven and much more about God's rule and his kingdom and his heaven coming down to the earth that we walk on today. And if we believe that, it, it ought to be, it ought to challenge us a little bit. It ought to be a statement of hope for the hopeless. Every time we pray, God, bring your rule on earth as it is in heaven, it's a statement of hope, right? Because the things that we experience when we look out in our world, and, and I don't know if anybody's done that lately, and things look messed up, they look wrong, the earth is full of pain and, and problems and division, uh, it's a hope that one day God will set right the creation that he's made. And it's also a, st uh, a statement of challenge for us too. Because every time we pray, God, make your rule, make your will come to pass on earth. We're asking God, uh, we're telling God we're willing to be a part of it. We're telling God, I even want you to change the things about this world that are bad, but that benefit me and make me comfortable. When we pray, we admit that things here are not how they ought to be, and we're pledging our hope and our lives to being a part of God bringing his rule from heaven down into earth. If you look closely uh, at at all of scripture, you'll see that this is usually how God works. Um, almost every time somebody in, in the Old Testament or the New Testament uh, encounters trouble, encounters problems, encounters the brokenness of the world, uh, very rarely does God disappear someone from the brokenness, the problems, and the challenges in 
the world. I'll, I'll list just a few examples. Genesis 1, uh, we see that God, instead of, right, God could do anything, instead of making human beings um, spiritual creatures like the angels to dwell in heaven, a perfect uh, God delights in forming people out of the mud of the ground, and he encourages them, he places them in a garden where he walks with them in the cool of the day. Notice the direction. God comes down to the earth that he makes to make the human beings. Um, when God in Genesis meets Abraham, the righteous Abraham, uh, he doesn't whisk Abraham away uh, to, uh, to heaven to create a family up there. No, instead, um, he promises Abraham uh, that through his flesh and blood family, his descendants, his children and grandchildren, uh, he would bless the whole of a dark, evil, and violent world. Um, in, in Exodus, when God's people are trapped in slavery in Egypt, instead of allowing Moses, who escaped to kind of live out his days as, as a shepherd, or, or maybe uh, instead of God snapping his fingers and bringing his uh, chosen people uh, who are suffering under slavery into heaven, he could have done that, right? God can do anything. Instead of doing that, what does, what does God do? Well, he meets with Moses on a mountain, and he sends Moses back into the land of slavery to lead his people by foot to a new land through 40 years in a dry desert. And most importantly, and I think the, the greatest proof that God desires to work in this direction is that 2,000 years ago, in a broken, dark, sick, and violent world, uh, God did not provide an escape hatch for all the good people to escape the earth through. Instead, he sent his own son, Jesus, in flesh and blood to show everyone who God is. He sent his own son to be a healer in broken places, a peacemaker in violent ones, a light in the darkest ones, and to die a criminal's death and rise, promising that if we believe in him, God uh, will, will help us to die and rise too. In the New Testament, God invites his disciples to be the body of Christ on earth in the same way. He says, go into the darkest places and shine light. He doesn't say separate and hide and hold on. In the Gospels, uh, when Jesus hears Peter's faith, uh, he, he tells him uh, not that he'll protect the church from evil. Uh, Jesus says, uh, on this rock I will build my church and the gates of hell won't overcome you. Jesus says, Peter, starting with you, I'm building a church. And hell's gates won't be able to stop you. Think about the direction. Rather than calling his people away from a hostile world in the New Testament, uh, the Holy Spirit sends Paul and the disciples into prison and into trouble and into persecution to preach to jailers and enemies. In the book of Revelation, when John records his vision from exile on the Isle of Patmos, um, he paints the picture this way. This is what John sees at the very end of Revelation. John uh, writes that he sees a great city coming down from heaven onto the earth. And he promises that one day those who die in Christ will rise again to live with God in a fully restored and fully renewed creation. On that day, the hope that we pray for, 
in Jesus will be fully realized as God's rule becomes real on the earth as it is in heaven. Sometimes, um, and for myself included, church people, as someone who grew up in the church, um, sometimes religious people believe that life is about holding on until God can whisk me away from earth into heaven, that, that faith is about holding on until God rescues me from whatever my problems are, the uh, broken places that I live, the hurting people, the dark places, that, that faith is about this spiritual safety net. But the Bible tells a very different story because we have a God who rarely removes his heaven people from their problems, but instead he invites them to bring heaven down to earth. Healers into hurting places, people of hope into situations of profound hopelessness, and light people into dark places. And when I read the Bible, it seems to me that God is far more likely to call us to bring love and grace and power into difficult places with difficult people than he is to lead us out of them. Because we have a God who doesn't seem to want to disappear us from our problems, but one who enters them with us. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. A statement of hope for when things look hopeless, that God is at work in and through us, and a statement of challenge when we find our lives on this earth comfortable and the problems of it far away. Every time we pray this prayer, we're invited to remember and pray along with this reality. Every time we pray, we should be reminded that the troubles, uh, when the troubles of our lives and the hurts of our world loom large, that God is calling us into those places, to those wounded people, those troubled people, those unsolvable problems, rather than promising to wink us out of them, because we have a God who is interested in bringing heaven down to earth. But he doesn't send us alone He doesn't send us helpless. He doesn't send us to be swallowed by the darkness. He promises us that if we follow his call, that that death is not the end, that those who die in Christ will dwell in heaven with our Father while we wait for the promised on earth resurrection and our new bodies to come when God's work is finished. God does not send us alone. No, he sends us together empowered by the Holy Spirit to defeat and to work in the darkest and most evil places. He promises us that when we follow his call, this is not the end. He promises to use us to shine light and show love and carry in us and in our community a little bit of heaven's kingdom to make the places that we go a a little bit more under the rule and reign of of the God who loves us, to change the way we live our lives so that we're living them not according to the reign and rule of the earth, but according to God, how he's leading and how he wants to change this place. We're invited to put our faith in the one who came to earth for us to allow him to make us into his body on earth. Uh, And so I want to invite you to do that uh, today. We're going to pray as a reminder, if you've prayed this before, uh, but, but for those of you that have never allowed God to do this work in you, I encourage you, challenge you to pray this in your heart for the first time. We're invited to confess our need, our failure, our shortcomings, our problems, the ways in which our lives do not line up with the rule of heaven. 
We're invited to put our faith in Jesus who died on our behalf so that, it, so that God can, can save us despite ourselves. And we're uh, called to invite the Holy Spirit to turn us into new heaven people here on earth. So would you, would you pray with me this morning? Lord God, Father God, you are always entering into difficult places. You are always coming down. You sent your own flesh and blood, your own son, down to show us who you are. To die and rise on our behalf so that we could become new. So Lord, we confess our need. And no matter how hard we try to be decent, good people who are nice to each other, who honor you, who do the right thing, we fail. We need you. We believe that you sent your son to die and rise on our behalf so that we could be forgiven our sin and made new. And we pray, Lord, that by your Holy Spirit, you transform us. You work on us and challenge us to become the heaven people living on earth that you've always imagined that we could be. Lord, we do this because we believe uh, that you sent your own son. And so we pray it in the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. May we be transformed people, shining light in a dark world. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Amen? Amen. I'd like to invite our worship team to come forward. Let's celebrate the God who makes us new and makes our world new. Thanks for joining us. You can find out more about our church, our live stream, and our in-person services at BethelCove.org. Thanks and have a great week.